This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody, how you doing? That's good. One of you sounds really good. Several of you sound okay. We'll try that again. Just one more time. Hey, everybody, how you doing? <laughs> See, that's a little bit better. That's a little bit better. It's good to be back. We had three weeks off from being here in North Carolina. You don't ever have, like, we, we may have had one winter weather weekend a year. Welcome to three in a row. I mean, this is, you know, you think it's going to be a new year. New year, new challenges, right? So now this year we're having to learn how to do church in the snow. I have a friend who's in Kalamazoo, Michigan, who over the last three weeks, they've gotten something like five feet of snow, and he just calls us, we're babies. Like, y'all, we still have church, right? We're, that's, we're, we're just learning. We're probably still going to have church either way. Um, we are today wrapping up a, a season as we've kind of kicked off the beginning of all this called uh, Be Filled. Oh, that's this. One moment over here. That's a lot better. That's a lot better. We're, we're wrapping up uh, Really Be Filled, which is a, a, a kind of the, the series for us that kicks off our year. And, and normally for that, uh, we, we isolate a vision for the next year out of that series. And what we've done for probably the last four or five years is we've got uh, bracelets, and we've, we've made them for you to wear. I wear mine all year long. It's, it's, a, it's a reminder of what we talk about today, and you can pick those up on your way out. We've got a lot of different kinds. We even have glow-in-the-dark ones for your kids, okay? I gave mine to my little four-year-old, and he pulled everybody into a closet for about three days to show them how it was glow-in-the-dark. You can grab those today on your way out. And a few weeks ago, I told you about this book, The God I Never Knew, um, by Pastor Robert Morris, which I think is a brilliant introduction to this topic of the Holy Spirit. And uh, well, we have that in the study guide. It's probably about $30 in value if you're going to buy it for yourself. We bought it, $10. You can take it home for yourself today as a resource if you want to dive into this. That's what we've been talking about. So just a few things just for kind of housekeeping. Um, one of those is February the 20th. Uh, which is just coming up and not too long away, uh, we're, we're going to have Next Steps. If you've been coming but you've never been to Next Steps, we'd love to have you and host you for that. It's really just an opportunity for you to take your next step with our church. We, we, it's at our downtown campus. You can register with this web address. If you're a little too busy right now to write that down, I would love for you to take a moment and actually just uh, click the, the QR code on your way out and, and you can kind of grab that uh, from your phone. That'll be at guest services. And next week, we kick off another series called Friends. And, and I'm, it's not based on the TV show, okay? So, so it's not, not that. We're not going to talk about uh, Joey and Chandler. We're actually going to talk about friendships. We're going to talk about relationships. And, and, you know, one of the names that's given to the Holy Spirit is friend, and, and so one of the things that we're going to invite you to see is to see relationships through the lens of friendship. So as we kind of get started 
And today, this is Vision Sunday. And for us, there's maybe no more important message that I'm going to preach all year long other than this one, okay? This is one of the most important messages. I do not want you to miss what we talk about today. The Bible says that where there is no vision, the people perish or waste away. Vision is something that if we don't have it for our lives, we actually end up kind of wandering and drifting and not living in all that God would have for us. God wants you to have vision for your life. And so to set this talk up, I thought it would be helpful that we go back through all of them. The first week we talked about uh, this, that there's a void inside that only the Holy Spirit can fill. C.S. Lewis said there's a God-shaped hole inside the heart of man. Uh, Blaise Pascal said that there's a, a vacuum inside the heart of a man that only God revealed through Jesus Christ can fill. There's an emptiness inside of us that nothing in this world will ever satisfy, which is why the Bible says this in Ephesians 5, don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. In other words, if you try to fill yourself with the wrong things, it leads to the wrong outcome. Don't be drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. That's the, the title for this series, Be Filled. And in the second week, we looked at the Holy Spirit, and we saw that the Holy Spirit is God leading us, God present in our life, God directing and ordering our steps, that, that the Holy Spirit is the God that wish and in our relationship with God, that God alive in our lives leading us. Week three, we looked at the moment that after Jesus has, has went back to heaven at the very beginning of Acts, the, the first moment of the coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And, and we talked about all that happened, and there's so much in that, that it, it sounded like wind and it looked like fire. We don't even have the, the words to describe what was happening in that moment. And we saw this, that where there is chaos, the Holy Spirit brings clarity, We don't have to look too hard at the world that we live in right now to know that there is chaos and confusion. But we need a God that brings clarity. We need a God that brings clarity. And then week four, last week, we looked and we saw that God, who is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God. God, the Holy Spirit, wants to be your helper and your friend. That God the Holy Spirit wants to be your helper and your friend. And so we we looked at the personality of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at who the Holy Spirit is and how he wants to interact with us. And, And it's important to know that the Holy Spirit's not just a force. It's, it's, that's the common understanding of evangelical Christians, that the Holy Spirit is just a force at work. The Holy Spirit has a personality. Uh, he is, the Bible treats the Holy Spirit as equal to God. Is God present? And so today I'm going to take you to a chapter out of the book of Acts that, that I'm really going to present to you our vision for this year. And it's not, when, when I, I would just imagine being where you are, you hear a pastor say, this is our vision. You just think that this is going to be about the, the church. This is, and that's not it. For us, this is not just a vision about what we want to have happen in the church. It's a vision about what we want to have happen in your life. 
Okay, so Acts chapter 8. The background of this is that right before all of this, there, there's been a young man named Stephen. And Stephen kind of comes up in the ranks of the believers of Jesus in this early church movement. And he's very bold and he's very public with his faith. And because he is so bold and so public, he's eventually arrested. And he's told, you need to be quiet. You need to stop talking about Jesus. You're causing problems. You're making a ruckus. This is not, don't do that. And he won't, and he won't back down. He's extremely bold. And he ends up getting arrested. And in those days, the, the local courts were ran by religious leaders. And so he's arrested and tried and sentenced to be executed, and he's executed in the most horrific way. He's stoned to death, which means that hundreds of people, a crowd even bigger than this, would have gathered, they would have brought rocks, they would have gathered around him, and they start throwing the rocks at him until he dies. It would knock him out, and it would kind of cause all kinds of of broken bones and then contusions, and then eventually it would lead to his death. And if you read Acts chapter 7, in the middle of all that, Stephen is given this unusual grace, and he stands up and he preaches Jesus, and there's this just powerful moment of declaration of the the person of Jesus Christ, And, and you find that in the background, there's a character that's yet to be introduced to the story, and his name is Saul. Now, Saul would meet Jesus, would become a follower of Jesus, and then later, actually had his name changed. He became the Apostle Paul, who by volume wrote over half the New Testament. But in this moment, you find that Paul is in the background named Saul, and he's holding everybody's coats as they throw the rocks. And as Acts 8 begins, you find that this Saul approved of their killing, which is so important because that means that he goes, listen, it's a good thing that we killed him. It's a good thing. And so in Acts chapter 8, as the story of this chapter begins to unfold, it says this, that on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house. He dragged off both men and women, and he put them in prison. God was up to something, and then it looks like it's all being squashed. Hear hear what I'm about to say. For every good thing God wants to give you, you have an enemy that wants to steal it. When God starts moving in your life, when you start sensing God is doing something, he's up to something, you got an enemy who wants to come in and steal what God is trying to give you. That's what it looked like in that moment. God's, I mean, just building just a few chapters earlier, 3,000 people get saved. 3,000 people. No microphone, no worship band. 3,000 people. Think about the, just the volume of what's happening in a city like that. Something like that. All right. So Acts 8 verse 4 shows us what happened next. That those who had been scattered preached the word Wherever they went, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. 
So all of this persecution happens in the city of Jerusalem. I mean, that's, a, that's some amens right there. It's being a whole lot louder than the rest of y'all. Just saying. So there's this body of believers in Jerusalem and this persecution breaks out and they're all, they're all scattered throughout. Every, and did you notice what it says here in the scriptures? That wherever they went, they preached the word. What looked like a burden became a blessing. What looked like it was a, a trial became an opportunity for a testimony. All, all that was happening is, is God sending them out into the countryside and around Jerusalem, everywhere they go, when it looked like they were about to be squashed, they were like, no, I'm not afraid. I'm going to go and I'm going to talk about Jesus. And we're going to see today the story of a young man named Philip. So watch, Philip goes to Samaria and he, and he preaches Jesus and, and just following that same pattern, people are scattered, they're proclaiming Jesus and then in verse 6 through 8 it says, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So watch this. So there was great joy in the city. Philip shows up and starts preaching Jesus, and those who have been bound spiritually start getting free. Those who are sick start getting healed. And the Bible says that in that city, all of a sudden, there was great joy. Please hear what I'm about to say. You do not have to chase joy. If you'll chase God, he'll give you joy. We live in a world that's going to sell you the lie that your life is supposed to be spent chasing joy. Find what sparks joy. Find the things that give you joy. And if you'll chase the things that give you joy, you'll have more of it. But there's a lot of testimonies of emptiness from people who have went after joy but never found joy, and all they found was emptiness. If you'll chase God, God will give you joy. So they show up in Samaria. They show up and Philip's preaching and all this is happening. And there's something that's there in Samaria that is so important to know. That there in Samaria, there's a, a man named Simon. The Bible actually calls him a sorcerer. Okay, so he's kind of, kind of a magician. And he's captivated the people of Samaria. Verse 10 says this, that all the people, both high and low, gave Simon their attention. That means the educated and the uneducated, the wealthy and the poor. All the people, both high and low, gave Simon their attention and exclaimed, this man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. Now please listen to what I'm about to say. Not all things that appear to be powerful represent God's desires for you. There are a lot of things in this world that promise power, that promise help, that make claims that they cannot back up, that do not represent God's desires for your life. And it is so easy to become captivated by them. 
So all of this is happening in the disciples in Jerusalem, the, the ones who actually stayed behind, hear about. There's something going on in Samaria. I heard old Philip's down there. He's, people are getting saved. People are getting healed. People are getting set free. So I want you to watch what happens in verse 15. Look at this. When they arrived, when the disciples arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. For they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to notice the simple truth in these few verses. That there were a group of people who had received Jesus, but they had not received the Holy Spirit. I believe there are a lot of people like that in this room right now. Your eternity is secure. You received Jesus. You prayed the prayer. You believed in the message of the gospel. You're doing your best to live a life after him. But our lives don't mimic and look like the the lives described in Scripture. We've never received the Holy Spirit. We've never invited the power of God in our weakness. We've never invited the peace of God in our storm. We've never received the Holy Spirit. Now, old Simon has started following um, Philip around, and and he actually said, I want to be a Jesus follower, and he's amazed at what's happening. But then the disciples show up, and they lay hands on People get filled with the Holy Spirit, and watch what happens next. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. He sees them praying. He has been influential because he's amazed everybody with signs and sorcery. And so he wants this. I'll pay you if you'll give me that. Please hear what I'm about to say. What God creates, Satan tries to counterfeit. For every good thing that God wants to give you, the enemy has a plan to create something that looks like it, but is far less than it. And that's exactly what's happening in this moment. This man Simon wants something. I want it to be like, can it be like that when I lay my hands on people? I don't want to lose the power and the authority that I've had. Can I get, I'll pay you for it. Watch how Peter responds. Peter answered, you have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Please hear me. You're never going to be able to receive the Holy Spirit until you're right with God. We can want that power. We can want that peace. We can want that protection all we want. But until we get it right with God, we're never going to have what God wants to give you. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right. Look at what he says. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he might forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For, watch this. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Everybody around is getting filled with the Holy Spirit. But Peter looks and says, you're filled with bitterness. 
You're, you're looking at what's happening, and you're saying, I want that. I want that power, but I don't want that commitment. I, I, I want that peace, but I don't want that relationship. I, I want the byproduct of what happens when I'm right with God without being right with God. And he's saying, you know what? You're bitter because you don't have what God's promised. You're filled with bitterness. You're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to help you navigate this chapter. See, a lot of times when we read the Bible, we read it sometimes like it's a story. And what's the moral of the story? And a lot of times the way we read is, is we read it as if we're reading the Bible. When we read the Bible, the Bible should read us. I don't decide what's in it. The Bible decides what's in me that needs to change. I don't look for the moral of the story. I let the scriptures look in me and call things out of me that I didn't even know were in me. We got to learn to see ourselves in light of the scriptures. So think about that, that moment. Persecution breaks out in their city. The, the climate of their culture is combative to their faith. You don't have to look real hard to know that we live in that kind of a culture today. Oh, I mean, it's, we're in the South, and, and most people can say, oh, you're going to church, that's such a good thing. You need to go to church. But I'm just going to say there are things that we claim as believers that are becoming harder and harder culturally to say that the exclusivity of truth. We can go way deep on this. There's a lot of stuff that right now, culturally, it's combative to our claims in our faith. Not unlike then. And I'd say today that the people that we live in, culturally, are not that different. When Philip shows up in Samaria, the people of Samaria have been captivated by a sorcerer. And our people today are, are swayed and influenced by worldly power. We are captivated by things like politics and politicians, people who make claims. As a matter of fact, I would say that we in our culture have our Simons. We have people who have made promises and they appear to be godlike because what they're promising seems so vast and so powerful, but they have no real power to deliver on that promise. And the people in our culture are so easily swayed by their voices and their promises. And so the question is, in this story, who, who should I be? What, what's the role that I should play? And I, I want to submit to you that, that the role that God is pointing us to in, in this story is that we're to be like Philip, the one who's displaced through difficulty and he's being led through trials. And instead of backing down to a climate that was combative, he instead chooses to stay faithful to Jesus. And everywhere he goes, he is unleashing the power of God on his world because he's experienced something in the person of Jesus that he cannot deny and that his world is going to 
have to bend and reshape to what he knows is true. He is not going to bend and reshape what he knows to be true to fit his world. In a world that's filled with fear and hate and confusion, that world needs the people of God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so today, I'm, I'm going to talk about our vision. And we're going to begin by making this very, very personal. Our vision for you. And the first thing that I'm going to say is going to be mildly insulting. And I'm going to be honest there's something in your heart that's going to want to push back against what I'm about to say. Don't protect your ego. Receive this because there's hope on the other side of it. And the first thing I'm going to say is this. Too many of us have never lived in the power of God's prom- that, that God has promised us through the Holy Spirit. Too many of us, have we've never known it. We've never experienced it. We've li- and if you look around the world in the last several years and you had to pick one word to describe Christians, I hate to say it, but the word is weak. It doesn't look anything like what the Bible promised we're supposed to look like through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit alive in our lives. You might say, well, how do you know that? Because I've watched fear win in your lives. I've had grown men who have served God longer than I've been alive tell me if that political candidate gets elected, it's all over with. As if Jesus gets kicked off the throne. If somebody gets elected that you don't like. Is that the kind of life that the Bible describes for you as a believer? You're meant for more than that. So I'd say this today, and you need to hear this, and I'm just praying that this goes beyond your head and beyond your heart into your soul. You are meant to be more than a victim to your cultural conditions. For the last two years, we as believers have allowed ourselves to be victims to the world that we live in. In what way is that the life that the Bible describes to us that we're supposed to live? I mean, you look at Philip and he walks out of Jerusalem where men and women are being drugged out of their homes and executed for believing in Jesus. And he leaves. And as he leaves, he's like, I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to preach Jesus everywhere I go. The Bible says in Romans 8, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more more than just a winner. I'm sorry, you're not a victim. You're not even just a winner. You're more than a winner. And if I looked at most people's lives who profess Christianity, 
What she sees is that we're saying, I'm just a victim to this world that I live in. No! That, those words in Romans 8 are being written to a church that's in the middle of the Roman Empire, the capital of the Roman Empire. What's he talking about? That in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Verse 35, right before that verse, describes all these things. And it's all the things that the people in the church in Rome were facing. Trouble. Hardship. Persecution. Famine. Nakedness being drugged into the street, naked, out of your house for believing in Jesus and professing Him as your Lord. Danger, not knowing when it's going to happen. And the sword, knowing that those words were being written to people who were being woken up in the middle of the night, drugged out into public squares and executed for their faith in Jesus Christ. And you want to know what? That's not isolated to the first century. It's happening in Afghanistan right now. In all these things, you're not a victim. You're more than a conqueror. Hear this, please. Nothing this world has to throw at you is more powerful than God. And it is time if you believe in Jesus and you trust Him for you to start believing it and acting like it. This is why we've chosen this year to specifically start talking about the Holy Spirit. And here's why. Number three. We want God to unleash His power through you on your world. That's our vision for the next season of our lives. We want God to unleash His power through you onto your world. The thing is, is that your world is not my world. There are people you see that you know, that you love, that you come in contact with that I will never see or know. And that's true for every person in this room. You have a world, and your world needs God. I need you to hear what I'm about to say. God has got big plans for you. I don't care where you are in your life. God's not done with you. This past week, I sat down with one of the oldest members in our church to, to have breakfast. And, and we were talking about it. And I said, you know, I used to coach track. And one of the hardest races to run was the two miles, the 3,200 meters. And one of the things that they'll do is just to let everybody know when the leader is entering into the last lap, they'll fire a gun. And it signifies, it's called the gun lap. And you know what happens? That is typically the best lap that they will run in their race. I want you to know, I don't care where you are in your life, God's not done with you. He's got good plans for you. He's got big dreams for you. He wants your world to be impacted by His power and what He gives birth to in your heart. But hear this, God-sized plans require God-sized power. And some of us have dreamed way too small for our lives. God wants you to have big dreams 
so big that the only way you're ever going to accomplish them is Him at work in you. I'm going to say this because somebody needs to hear it. That what God is going to do in you in this season is the answer to the prayer that somebody in your world is already praying. You might have a friend and you don't know that they're struggling in their marriage and they're praying right now. God, would you send somebody and God's going to do something in your marriage and it's going to be the answer to their prayer. You might have a friend right now or a family member that's struggling financially and you're praying, God, help us to be more faithful. Show us how to live out your, our faith and our finances. And what God's going to do in your life financially is going to be the answer to their prayers. You need to understand that what God is giving birth into you in your heart is not just for you. The world needs you. Your world needs you. There are people in your life that you uniquely and you alone can reach. And God is going to do something in this next season in you that is meant for them. Your world needs you, but hear me out. Your world is not the world. There are problems in this world that you do not come in contact with. I can tell you right now that most of us we do not regularly in our world come in contact with the kid that's living through poverty and doesn't have food. We don't come in contact with regularly in our lives children who are being taken out of their home because their mom and dad are not caring for them and being placed into another one. Your world needs you, but hear me out on this. The world needs us. Your world needs you, but the world needs us. There are things that we do together that you could never do on your own. There are ministries and missions that just we uniquely as a church have taken on that, that you, if you even tried to do it on your own, would never be able to do it to the level of efficacy that we can do it together. Your world needs you, but the world needs us. And it is easy to think that, oh, okay, I see that, but, but I feel like so, I'm such a small part in that. I'm not, I, I don't play that big of a role. No, hear me. There's no us without you. There's no us without you. You might say, well, I can only give this much and I only bring these talents to the table when I serve and I, I don't know about this. And I, here, the, the us that God has planned in His heart for us to be is everything that you bring to the table with you. And we will never be all that we are supposed to be without you there's no us without you so let me share today our vision for us okay and i want you to see this this is so good as this season changes we will have great opportunity when this pandemic thing started over two years ago right at two years ago now i told you it's just a season and the thing about seasons is they have beginnings and they have ends. There's an end coming. This season is going to change. And when it does, 
there is great opportunity. It's been a tough season to lead a church. Just say that. All y'all been mad about stuff y'all weren't ever mad about before. Mass. Do we mass? Do we not mass? What's the stance on vaccines? How do we handle racial inequality? Political leaders and politics and cultural events. It's been a tough time. And because it's been so difficult, leaders who have led for 50 years saying this has been the toughest time to ever lead. Because it's been so hard, attendance is way down. That's not just here at our church. That's everywhere. A few weeks ago, we met together as a staff with a very good, large, multi-site church that is only right now at 25% of their pre-COVID attendance. Attendance is down, and it's down in critical categories. Can I give you one? Before the pandemic, nationwide, middle-aged families with kids, okay? That's a lot of us. Middle, I'm sorry, you're middle-aged, okay? Just deal with it. All right, middle-aged families with kids, 40% nationwide attending church. Post-COVID, 30%, down 10% in two years. And we would go, hey, that's critical. I mean, those are kids that need to have faith and, 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 and community installed and grow. They need that. These are, these are parents, and I met, I met this past week with, with a, a friend of mine, and they have not returned to church. And, and I said, he said, you know what? It's harder. It's harder to stay home. It'd be a lot easier to let the church take care of our kids for an hour. All right? So it's harder. But we're out of the routine. And when you get out of a routine, it's hard to start new habits. I feel like that it's, it's real easy to look at this past season and say there's been a lot lost. And it's described in John 15. I love the way Jesus talks about this. He said, the father is the gardener and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And while every branch that does bear fruit, he he prunes it so that it will be even more fruitful. Pay attention. That there's a time of pruning where God the father comes through and and cuts off this branch. It's, it's not doing anything. It's, it's, it's actually, it's even dying or it's dead. Or there is this fruitfulness. And Dr. Henry Cloud, who wrote the book Boundaries, describes a, a worker that he saw at a vineyard. And he said, I followed a gardener through a vineyard. And he was going through what looked like to be healthy plants. And he would cut off about half the pods that were growing. And I said, why are you doing that with a, with a healthy plant? And he said, you know, I know that this vine cannot produce and support all that it seems to be growing. So for it to stay healthy, I've got to remove some of it. For this season, it's going to grow and it's going to become stronger and later it'll actually be able to support greater numbers. Here's the thing. Fruitfulness always follows a pruning. Fruitfulness always follows a pruning. And I know that some of you right now have experienced that in your personal life. 
you feel like I lost this and there's this friend and they're not around and, and, and this changed or this happened at my job and, and, this, and, and there, there's a, a, a kind of a collective sense of loss coming out of the last two years. But I want you to hear that there's fruitfulness that's coming in the wake of it. The second thing that I'd want to tell you is that we want the Holy Spirit to fill us, for us. We want Him to fill us, move within us, and work through us. I, I want, when you come to church, I want you to leave with your cup full. I want you to leave empowered to take something to your world that you've got to pour out and give. I want us to do that. And I also recognize that for the Holy Spirit to do all that He wants to do, we need different places. And so throughout this year, we're going to roll out some different experiences that perhaps we haven't had in the past season. And the first one is First Wednesday, which is the first Wednesday night of every month. We're going to get together at our downtown campus. We're going to worship. All right, I, I can go ahead and tell you that starting in March, we're going to lay hands on some people. We're going to pray for healing. We're going to pray for deliverance. We're going to do some stuff that perhaps you don't see us doing on Sunday mornings. It's going to be good. You're not going to want to miss it. And then small groups. Coming out of this pandemic season, we recognize the need for there to be smaller community, and we want that for you. We want you to make the right friends. We want you to be with people. We want there to be community that's in your life that's not in the church. We want you to have small groups, and you can register for those right here. Because I believe that God's going to do something around some dinner tables and sitting in some living rooms that he would never do in a Sunday morning sitting in church. You know, the emergence of the church in Acts chapter 3, the Bible says that they met in the temple and in their homes. And we've got to figure out a way. You've got to figure out a way to make room for that. Are you going to make room? Because I know you. You're like me. Every night we got something to do. Are you going to realize that you're not going to get anything new out of your life until you start embracing something new? Are you going to make room for God to come and do something in your life? Are we going to make room for a Wednesday night service once a month and to get involved with a small group and start welcoming some people into our lives and building friendships. And the last thing that I tell you, and I'm super excited about this, we're going to make room to be filled. I mean, there's the spiritual side of that, that in our church, we're going to make room to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want you to encounter and to receive all that God has planned for you to have. We want you to get every good gift that God has in His heart for you. And because of that, we're not going to lean out of that. We're not. This is not just one series. We're going to continue to teach and preach and guide you into the truth of the Holy Spirit through the first part of this world. I'm so excited about what we've got planned. This next series, Friends, it's going to be super helpful. It's going to reshape the way you think about relationships. But practically, we got to make space for numerical growth. We have to. So for that, the first thing that I'm going to tell you vision-wise for us this year, we will open both the east and downtown campuses later this spring. I'm excited about it. We've been prepping for this for years. 
We were on pace to do this right as the pandemic hit. And you want to know what? We're going to try it. We don't know if it's going to work. But you want to know what? I know that on a big Sunday, we're almost filled here. On a normal Sunday, we got more people than we can fit there. And so it's worth a try. We got to make some space and make some room. But the second thing, I'm super excited about this. We're starting the process of moving our East Campus, that's right here, to a new permanent location. We know that the long-term efficacy of a portable location like this is going to wane at a certain period of time. And we're so lucky to really be in the shape that we are right now to be able to take some next steps towards doing that, looking for land, finding the right location, getting the right building plan. And when we do all of that, you're going to hear about it. But it's so good to be in the space that we can actually start taking those steps. Now I want you to think about Philip with me. We saw him there in Acts chapter 8. Philip who came to know Jesus and followed him and watched Jesus executed. And then like with all the disciples, was, was afraid and hid. And then Philip encounters Jesus resurrected and with the group of believers stays behind in Jerusalem and the, the Holy Spirit comes and God begins to move within the city of, of Jerusalem. And it's, it's so easy when God starts doing something to think that this is just the end story. We're going to get a bigger church right here. It's all going to happen, right? Just one big place. Everybody come and go. But that's not what happened. There was a persecution that broke out. And because of that, God's will is actually accomplished as people leave and go back to their hometowns and go back to their places. And they're not afraid now. They're not afraid because the Jesus they saw executed, they saw come back to life, and they know there ain't nothing that you got that can scare me anymore. I might leave, but on my way out, I'm going to keep talking about Jesus. And Philip goes down to Samaria. And he starts preaching this Jesus. And people that were bound up by evil spirits get free. And people that were paralyzed get healed. And all of a sudden, it starts moving through the city. And the Bible only has one word to describe it. And that's the word joy. Joy fills the city. And then the disciples come down. And people receive the Holy Spirit. So much so that that which was fake is now exposed as fake and that which is real is seen to be real our community the people in your world need what we have in the last two years we know based on studies in science that the only people coming out of this last season better than when they went into it are people who said, I made my time in church a priority. Which means you got some people in your life that hadn't been plugged into a place of faith and they've been going through the same stuff you've went through, but they're in a lot worse place than where you are. And they need what we have. They need what we have to offer. Ephesians 5.18 Don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery 
Watch what you're full of. Because if you're full of the wrong thing, it's going to lead you to the wrong place. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. I said this earlier. A world that's filled with fear, hate, and confusion needs the people of God to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's make this real personal for a moment. What are you full of? What are you full of? Are you blaming all those people for your problems and difficulties? If, if they could just figure it out, if they just get it right, if they could just finally understand, if they'd give, if I'd have better boss or leadership in our organization, then I wouldn't be dealing with all this frustration. Are you filled with hate? Are you, you know what, I don't, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know if it's going to be safe. I don't know what's going to happen. If that happens in the world, we're just all, it's all over with. If, if Russia attacks, oh, 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 it's fear. Are you filled with fear? Are you the person who's sitting back going, I don't even know what to do. Let's look around and it all feels, just feels gray and weird and just feel paralyzed in all my decisions. Are you filled with confusion? Because hear me out. The plan of God was never for you to be filled with hate or fear or confusion. The antidote is that God gave us the Holy Spirit to fill you. And right now, in this moment, God is here as the answer to that problem. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.